are in the W's. We've been almost three years in our A through Z series, so you know how long it takes to get through the alphabet. Long time. The word is worry. Short cure for worry. Now, I know this is a timely message because there isn't one person that I'm talking to today who hasn't worried. Not one of you. And some of you are doing it right now. You're worried about whether I can keep my 1230 commitment. Stop worrying, please. But there are much, there, there are many more things that you worry about that are more severe than that, I can assure you. So it would help you to understand where the word worry comes from. You know, every word in the English language has a root. Where does it come from? Well, the old English, this word worry means, are you ready for this? To strangle. That's the root, to strangle. Gets around your throat and chokes you to death. That's why the Bible says, don't worry about anything. That's why the Bible says, casting all your care upon him knowing he cares for you because it's a strangling kind of thing. Medically, here's what it does to you. Long list. Mental and emotional fatigue. Ulcers. Those holes in your stomach, you know. Drug and alcohol dependence. It is a crutch, you see, that people lean on when they're worrying about things. And then they have a lot more to worry about after they get into these problems. Frequent headaches. Oh, that's where those come from. Loss of appetite. Some of you don't seem to suffer from that too much. Back aches from worry. Lack of concentration. Insomnia. Stomach problems, other than ulcers. Skin rashes. Like that person in church who said, would you pray for my unspoken request? That's where some of that emanates from. Worry. High blood pressure. Oh no, why did he say that? Migraines, hypertension, heart problems, nervousness. Folks, there isn't a whole lot left. Basically, it just plain affects you. And there is an antidote. It cripples our faith as well as uh, our health. It undermines our joy, our peace, our sense of contentment. It strangles us physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And yet we hear very little about it. In the midst of all of our worry, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry about tomorrow. And Paul said in the passage we read from Philippians, don't be anxious for anything. Don't worry about a thing. You say, sure, a lot easier to talk about than it is to do. Granted, but I'm going to help you 
to get into the victory realm where worry will get less and less a hold of your throat. It's like a magnet that attracts negative conditions to your life. Get that. Worry is like a magnet that attracts negative conditions to your life. A.S. Roach said, Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. That's a tremendous picture of worry. Again, it's a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Now, that's all that I'm going to tell you about the negative part of worry. I've come to give you the cure. And there are four things that I need to say about how to get rid of it. Number one, I don't know that you're going to like this, but it's where we have to start. It is the word repent. Because sin is in many forms, and one of its forms is worry. Now you say, where do you find that in the Bible? In Romans 14, verse 23, whatever is not of faith is sin. And worry is not of faith, I can tell you that. Whatever is not of faith is sin, and superficial remedies will never suffice. Aspirins, medical help, it won't really touch Worry, that has to come by recognizing what it really is. That is why, again, Peter said, casting all your care upon him, because it's literally spiritual unbelief. It is not trusting in God. It is a spiritual problem. Now, I want you to get the full picture because it's important. God is over everything. God is in everything. God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's all-everything. And if you don't see him that way, you're going to be a victim of worry. So you've got to repent of your worry because it's a lack of trust in the living God. Now, I read about an Air Force chaplain who was being transferred to another base, and when he got there, he discovered that they had two chaplains residents for him, and he had to pick which one he and his family would live in. So they went and looked at the first one, and after they had gone through the house, his little four-year-old girl said, Daddy, I don't like it. Well, he didn't think too much about it because there was a second home, and they went through that, and she said, Daddy, I don't like it either. And he said, well, sweetheart, what is it that you don't like about these homes? And she said, neither one of them has a bed in it. And you know, that's a lot like you and me. We don't get the full picture many times. And we get to fretting and stewing and forget that God has a U-Haul coming with all the things in it that we need. It just hasn't arrived yet. It's coming, though. Everything will be there that you need. But we stop too soon. We don't get the full shot. 
and we get to depending on self and we go to counseling and a lot of things and I'm not against that but there are times when you gotta forget all about that and look at the full picture repent of worry because it's the negative side of faith and we'll touch on faith in a few moments so you got number one number two is pray this is a cure for worry now notice what we read today. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Now what does prayer do? Can I tell you one thing prayer does? It gives you a view of God's resources. It gets you out of the human element, off of the bottom line of your paycheck or your stub that you take home. Get you off of human insights into a spiritual realm to see what God can do and God's bank ain't broke yet. That's why the Spirit said, don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer. And it's the last thing sometimes we think about doing. Prayer gets rid of excess baggage in our lives. Prayer helps us to see God in all of his power and his glory. This was illustrated to me when I discovered that before 1885, most everybody that had an appendicitis attack or ruptured appendix died. That's just a little over 100 years ago. On January 4th, 1885, in the little river town of Davenport, Iowa, and what good thing could come out of Davenport, Iowa, Dr. William West Grant operated on an individual with an appendix problem and removed the appendix and the person lived. And they never thought they could do that. They would just let them blow up, spreading bacteria and poison through the abdominal region and they would die by the thousands. But he thought that maybe removing that little time bomb would save the life and that people could live without the appendix. And some of you are very much alive who have had yours removed, and thankfully so. My wife blew up just like that years ago. We didn't know what was the matter. The doctor didn't know what was the matter. After localizing the infection, hospitalizing her for days, they operated and found out that her appendix just blew without any warning. It can be serious, but thank God for Dr. William West Grant. I don't even know how God found Davenport, Iowa. But he saw this man who believed that this could work. And obviously God was in it because now it's a very simple thing to take care of. Now why do I give you that illustration? Because God has found out that you and I can live without worry and he will take it away from us. He'll lift it out of us by prayer if we'll let him. It's like a time bomb that will explode. It's like hands around your neck if you don't give it to God and let Dr. Jesus operate and get it out of your life. 
It is not pleasing to God for you to worry. It is pleasing to God for you to pray. Number three, the Word of God. Romans 10, 7 is the best solution. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Victory comes by hearing the Word. That's why you should never miss a service in this church. Because every service will present more faith opportunities to you. That's why you should read it daily. Faith comes by hearing. I watch the miracle of the Bible in lives in this church weekly. In the first service, Rick Massey, one of our board members, was seated over here on the front with his big Bible in his lap. And I had to mention Rick because Rick didn't always have a big Bible with him in church. Rick didn't always love the Word of God. But I'm telling you today, I don't know any man in this church that loves the Word of God more than Rick Massey. He reads it. He devours it. He saturates his life with it. I went to the Holy Land. Rick went with me with his wife. And every time we would have some quiet time away from touring and all, I would see Rick with his Bible open. He was reading it. And I was looking at it one day. I don't even know if he knows I did that. But it's all marked up. And that just started three, four years ago. Hasn't been all that long. He wasn't that interested in the Word of God. Oh, he would have said, I was a Christian, but he didn't have that devouring appetite for the Word of God like he does today. And it's literally transformed him. It will do it for anybody. But we go from Sunday to Sunday without picking it up almost and without letting it work in us. No wonder we're filled with problems physically and problems emotionally. The Word of God changes our focus. Thy word have I hid in my heart, David said. It changes your focus. We must look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. A story that touched my heart was told by F.W. Borham about a man who was very, very ill and he called for his pastor, feeling that his time was limited on earth. And when the minister came, he was escorted into the room, given a chair, and he looked across the bed to the other side, and there was an empty chair on the other side of the bed. So he said to his parishioner, well, obviously there has been a, another visitor here just recently. I don't want to wear you out. He said, oh, no, no, pastor, please, there's been no one else here. That chair is there for a reason. He said, you see, years ago, before you ever came to be our pastor, I was a man of doubt. I was a man of worry. And it just seemed like I couldn't get through the ceiling in my prayers, that God was a million miles away. And I talked to my pastor about it one day, and he said, I think I can help you. When you pray, put an empty chair in the room with you. And just picture Jesus sitting in that chair and talk to him. He's sitting right there in that chair. And he said, I started to do it and it worked ever since. I've put the chair there and Jesus has been there. And I could talk to him and my life radically changed. Well, they had a very special time together and Pastor left. And it wasn't too long until the daughter phoned him and said, Pastor, my dad slipped away to be with Jesus. And through her tears, she said, but let me tell you how I found him. When I went into his room, I immediately recognized that he was gone. But his right hand had fallen over and was 
resting on the empty chair by his bed. As though Jesus was holding his hand. He knew where to put his hand. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Jesus died all my sins. And there are any number of people in this room right now who need to flip your hand over to that empty chair. In this book, God has promised you everything you need today and tomorrow. Everything. And you're frustrated, you're all tied up in knots, your stomach is just about to rip out of your feet because you haven't learned the power of this word. It's a cure. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You can be healed this morning by hearing what the pastor's preaching to you. You'll hear it down inside your heart. Place yourself on the unchanging word of the living God. It'll never let you down. Final thing is faith. The ultimate answer, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6. And in 1 John 5.4, John said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, I have to tell you that faith does not involve feelings. Faith involves facts. You focus on God's power. You focus on God's promise. You Focus on God's ability, upon God's desire, not on what you see, not on your circumstances. It has nothing to do with feelings. Don Loney used to travel around the country speaking in assemblies in high schools, talking about love, and he would say how misleading what we think love is can be. He said it usually leads to the doghouse, this thing of puppy love. Then he would say, I thought I was in love when I was a teenager because I felt cold chills come up my spine when she put her arms around me, only to discover that it was her popsicle leaking on my back. Faith has nothing to do with feelings. It has everything to do with what God says. Richard Champion, college classmate of mine, who was the editor of the Pentecostal Evangel for 10 years, just passed away a few weeks ago after our Minnesota General Council of last August we found out that he had a tumor in his brain and that it was malignant. He did ask, why me? And then Richard Champion thought about it and said, why not me? He pointed out in one of his articles that when God saves us, he puts us on display puts us up for the world to see how we handle life's adversities. And Richard Champion said, why not me? If God can use me as a display to the world of faith, he added these lines, all healing is not in this life. I sat at lunch with his widow just a few weeks ago in a committee meeting in Springfield, Missouri. Was she devastated? Not at all. She was upbeat. She was in tune. She knew about this thing called faith, as did her husband, Dick Champion. Brothers and sisters, God loves us in life or in death, in sickness or in health. Will you get that into your mind? 
God loves us in life or in death, in sickness or in health. And after all, if he doesn't choose to heal us of whatever it is we have, heaven is not that bad. We mourn and we weep and we anguish, but friends, everything is in God's hands when we trust him. I have a friend who wrote a book. He asked me to write a paragraph about it, which I did. But he wrote in that book about having a very difficult time one period in his life. He's very angry and despondent, enormous problem, struggling with it. Driving down the road one day in this condition, he suddenly heard himself singing in tongues. Now, those of you who don't understand that terminology, it's in the New Testament. It has to do with praying and singing in the Spirit. In a language you don't know, it comes from heaven into your soul and out your mouth, and it's in tongues, and it is a language somewhere on the earth. Somebody knows that language, and he didn't know the words as he was singing in tongues in his car, but he recognized the medley or the melody. He said it was his eyes on the sparrow. He knew what the song was, but he didn't know what he was singing. And he immediately thought of Ethel Waters standing on Billy Graham's platform many times singing, his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And he said, as I sang that in tongues and thought about it in English, the healing presence of Jesus filled that car. Faith arose in my being. And I was healed by the presence of God. Another songwriter put it this way in another chorus. I am, I am, I am the God who sees your need. I am, I am. So lift your eyes to me. That's it in a nutshell, brothers and sisters, how to cure worry. I am. I am the God who meets your need. So turn your eyes to me. It'll change your world. Sing it with me. I am, I am, I am the God who meets your needs. I am, I am, so lift your eyes to me. Jump it up, he is, he is, he is. He is the God who meets our needs. He is the God who meets our needs. He is, he is. So turn your eyes to him and then you are, you are, you are, you are the God who meets my needs.
of standards in Washington tells us that a dense fog covering seven city blocks, 100 feet deep, is composed of something less than one glass of water. That amount of water is divided into some 60,000 million tiny drops. Not much there. Yet when those minute particles settle down over the city or countryside, they can blot out practically everything from your vision. One cup of water. A cup full of worry does exactly the same thing. It blots out your vision. You don't see correctly. It takes God all the way out of the picture. You're trusting in the arms of man. Would you remember these texts? Don't worry about anything in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And he said, this is what I'll do for you. My peace will surpass all of your understanding. And it will guard your heart and your mind. You'll be well. And he said, my God shall supply all your needs. So what are you worried about? Is your God tiny or big? You know, that's why he doesn't present himself in a physical body, because you would think he's just like you are. But he's bigger than this whole universe. Best of all, he loves you when you sin and when you're saintly. Loves you when you're sick and when you're well. Loves you when you're living and when you're dying. Loves you all the time. And he just pains his heart. When you try to take the load of wood yourself and carry it around your life, when he says, cast your care, please cast it upon me. Give it up. Stand with me and sing it. I am, I am, I am the God who meets your needs. I am, I am, so turn your eyes to me. God who meets our needs. He is, he is, so turn your eyes to him. You are, sing it to him, you are, you are the God who meets my needs. You are.
Hallelujah. It's happening all over this building. People are turning their eyes heavenward. I will lift up mine eyes under the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Father, heal this fellowship of worry. Heal us all of bearing our cares by ourselves. May we hear your word in our hearts and obey it. Don't worry about anything. Cast all of your care upon me because I care for you. Jesus, do it in this moment. You're wanting to do so many wonderful things in our midst. And we hold you back. We tie your hands by our worry and our anxiety. There's enough jobs out there for everybody in this building. There's enough food out there for everybody. There's, there's a car out there for the person who needs better transportation. There's healing for the sick. There's salvation for the lost. There's family unity when it seems to be disintegrating in front of our eyes. But we can't worry about it. We've got to cast it on you. And Lord, help us to repent by praying together right now. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of the sin of worry. Take it out of my life. It's just as devastating as other sins. Forgive me. Clean me up. Help me to look upward. Help me to pray, to read the word, and to have faith. And to look at you rather than my problems, rather than my circumstances. I ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Did he hear that prayer? Did he hear that prayer? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I was sitting over here about where my wife is in this conference this week, and this is a new pulpit. Larry Scholl made it. He's in our church, and he does this once in a while. He just puts them up here. I didn't even ask him to do it, and I didn't know what he would put on it. But I looked there, and what does it say on the front? Lord, give us America. Boy, as this conference progressed, heard the Holy Spirit say to my heart, on Sunday, I want you to do something as the service closes. And so I said, Lord, what is it? He said, give everybody a little piece of paper. So the ushers are coming with a little piece of paper. It doesn't have anything on it. It's just a blank, small piece of paper. It has nothing to do with an offering or money. In case some of you had that thought. I don't know why you would, but worry about that too much, by the way. I want you all to take a little piece of paper. No tricks. Just I, I want you to have the piece of paper. I'm just trying to obey the Holy Spirit. If you have a pen or a pencil, get it out. Have it ready. I'm just going to have you write one word on this piece of paper. Just one word. This is all that uh, I'm going to ask you to do. And then we're going to hand them to the aisle, and I'm going to count how many of these come back. Here's what God spoke to me sitting down here, so I have to obey him. He said, if you just have your people join you and Marianne, 
every night for the next year before you get into bed, get down beside your bed, five minutes and pray for revival. I'll give you revival. Why at night? Because it'll, you'll think of it before you get in bed. Now, if you say, I don't know how to pray, just pray, Lord, give us a revival and say it 100,000 times. That's all. That's, that's okay. And he said to me, in my spirit, in my knower, I'll send personal revival, family revivals, church revivals, America revival. America isn't lost yet. Only if we don't pray is it lost. And I asked God for 2,000 of these, and I know that at least 1,500 of them were turned in in the first service already. And so you just write one word on there, yes, just like this, yes. I'll do it, God helping me. Now, if you forget or you fall asleep, the wrath of God isn't going to fall on your head. You're not going to get smitten by a cyclone. Just go ahead and go to sleep, but the next night, Pray. Uh, if something comes up, you just can't do it. That's between you and God. You see, there's nothing we're going to check up on, except as we read this every week coming into it. We're going to be reminded to pray for revival. It's going to come. I feel it in the air. I feel it in my soul. Now, I want one from everybody, not a family unit, but every person in the family, because you need to join the family. That's why I wanted everybody to have one. Now, if you've done it, send it over to the aisle. If you've written yes on it, put it over to the aisle. How many of you written yes on it? Raise your hand. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Start tonight now. Whenever you go to bed, get down and say, Lord, send us revival. Revival to my family, to my blessed, loving church, to this nation that you gave under God. Just hand them over, and we're going to count them and see how many people will be praying for the next year, five minutes at night, for revival. Thank you. Pass them over to the aisle. There's some down here. They're coming now, Bob, I think. Up in the balcony, are we covered up there? Do we have somebody picking them up? Yes, I see them moving up there. This is our altar time. Revival. 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 Spiritual resuscitation. Now, you may have never prayed much before in your life. Good time to start. Good time to start. And let the, not this be the only praying you do, but part of it. We have 17 hours open in the 168-hour prayer room, most of them daytime, afternoon, and evening hours. Call the office. Say, I'd like to take one of those hours each week. What one can I have? See if it fits your schedule. God is calling us to pray. And when we pray, what happens? Worry disappears. Some of you are worried about America. I'm concerned, but I'm not worried because God is God. And I'm praying for America. And Saturday nights, man, last night we prayed for America. America doesn't have a chance when you hear prayers like went up from this place. So, God bless you. Can I tell you again? God loves you. No matter what your condition is, God loves you. You're really special to him. If I love you, and you know I do, God loves you a thousand million times more than I could ever love you. Because I'm human, but he's divine. 
He wants to give us what we need, but we've got to get rid of all of our anxious care, all of our worries, so he can start working in truth. Now, this is going to continue tonight. God's going to send us a moving of his spirit. If you want to be in on the moving of the spirit, be here tonight. We had an altar service Friday night that went till after 11 o'clock. And I was more refreshed when I left than when I came. We're going to have revival tonight. And everybody needs to be in on revival. Special evangelist is coming. So eat, have your little nap. I don't even get that because I have to meet with new members this afternoon. But you sleep and I'll think about you. And then come back tonight and join us for this great meeting. I want this place to be brimming with excitement as Luke Barnett comes to minister. Young man with a burden, passion for the Lord. Goodbye. Thanks. Get your timeless insight on the way out. Tonight there'll be an altar call. You need to be saved. You get back here and get saved. You haven't asked him into your heart. <laughs>